Hello and welcome to Surveyor Says, the podcast from the National Society of Professional Surveyors. Each week, we bring you fascinating guests that are involved in the profession of surveying. We cover a lot of ground, including table lay talk with Gary Kent, point of order with the NSPS Joint Government Affairs Team, future focus, highlighting current and future leaders of the profession, and everything survey-related in between. Thanks for joining us here on the podcast and hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of Surveyor Says. Hello and welcome to Surveyor Says, the NSPS podcast series. Thank you for joining us today. As is our typical thing to do, we always want to bring interesting topics and interesting people to you who know what's going on in the world and uh, in the surveying world at least. And one of the things that's really important to us as a profession is the next generations as they come along. Uh, a lot of people in my age group came in a generation when I don't think there were any surveying degrees anywhere in our country at the time when I first came along. Uh, of course, we've evolved tremendously since then, and attracting people to the profession is is still maybe may more difficult than before. I'm not really sure, but certainly uh, spreading the word, if you will, and providing opportunities that allow people to become part of the profession is an important element of our survival. And so today I have with me a good friend of mine from Georgia, Trent Turk. Welcome, Trent. Thanks for having me today, Kurt. Trent is a very active member of the Surveying and Mapping Society of Georgia, uh, known as SAMSOG. And uh, Trent and I met years ago through our mutual friend, Greg Johnson. Many of the people listening today will, will know Greg. Greg's been involved in SPS for a long time. And uh, early on, when uh, when Greg introduced me to Trent, I I think Trent that you had just begun or thinking of beginning to form the company that that you and and some other people started and made so successful. And you can uh, fill me in on that in terms of timing because I'm old and I forget uh, exactly when things happen. But uh, I just remember being impressed with what you guys were doing and the way you ran your company and the way you treated your employees. And it's been very successful. Well, I appreciate that, Kurt. I'm sorry to report it's been 25 years. So we're going to date ourselves a little bit here. Uh, almost since the company was founded, um, GeoSurvey being the name of it. And um, you're, you're right. It has been very successful, but not just on my back. There have been a lot of great people working with us. And, uh, you know, realizing at about age 55, you know, I want to exit at some point, began a process and uh, just recently was able to sell the company internally to four partners. And it's allowed me to exit uh, the payroll business now and uh, come back to work for them in just in a different role and focus a little more on what I love. And and that's been a pleasure. So it's been a great ride. And. Um, I'm, I'm happy that these guys now have the reins and we'll take it and run with it. But I, I know we're here today to talk about other other things besides that. I appreciate you asking, Kurt. Well, I understand that. And, and you know, as anybody listening to this knows, I'm in the process of taking a step back here as well. Yeah. Like you, the, the great people that I work with, being the leadership of NSPS, have 
have set up something where I can continue to an emeritus thing to contribute and be part of things. And um, that will ensure that I'll live a little bit longer. If I just went cold turkey, I'm not really sure what would happen. I know that feeling for sure. You know, I, I'm, if you're like me, you need a reason to get up every day and a project every day. Yeah. And uh, I'll look for something that I can accomplish every single day. Well, the primary thing we're going to talk about today is education and, and how the foundation has done such a great job. But share with us a little bit about how, your path. What, what brought you into this profession? Well, you mentioned uh, the culprit earlier and that being Greg Johnson. Um, boy, if we went back to, to them, uh, I was working at the grocery store and um, there was a land surveying company across the street. And I saw those guys leaving every day in their 78 K5 blazers. And I thought, wow, that looks fun. And I walked across the street and asked for a job and I got a job and ended up changing my major in college to, instead of agriculture, decided to go land surveying. And um, so that, that kind of launched my career. Um, my very first day, um, my crew leader, who is still around, we're still friends, he looked at the back of me. He said, well, what we got here? We got a little kid wet behind the ears. You think you want to be some big fancy surveyor or something? We're going to change your mind. And I, I think that kind of put a burn in me that I was not going to let him change my mind. But he almost did. That was a rough summer, that first summer. Um, but, you know, ended up going to school for this. Ended up in the Atlanta area and stayed for the land of opportunity. And... Um, Greg Johnson, in fact, was working at that first company I worked for and became a mentor of mine. He and I both came back up to Atlanta and he ended up at Georgia Power. And of course, I ended up ultimately starting this company after working for two or three other companies. So it's, it's been a wonderful ride and a great career. And it's not over yet. Just a little bit of a different chapter heading into my 60s, hopefully. Yeah, so true. You just told me something I didn't know. Yes, I did not know that Greg was working at that first company you went to. He was, absolutely. Well, that makes that that uh, relationship even stronger than just the one where your company was working for Georgia Power, where he was. I mean, that, that's, right. that's a life-changing kind of thing. That's exactly right. So we want to talk about what's going on in the, we the background of surveying a little bit and of course uh samsog has i assume had for a long time some level of scholarship program to help students coming into the profession and that's probably evolved as licensure requirements have changed obviously mm -hmm. um and all of us across the country deal with how is it that we're going to get that next generation coming along under the, and I don't, I'm not going to use the word constraints. I'll just talk about circumstances that have to be met and, and conquered, so to speak, to become part of this fabric as professional surveyors and recognizing that early on, a lot of States have done a good job as, as have you guys uh, in setting your requirements, but then backing up those requirements with helping create the path. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so maybe you can just give us an idea of how all that started to come about. Uh, let's see. Let's if we were to back up uh, 15, 18 years ago, maybe um, we 
we made a real hard push to get a four-year degree requirement here. Uh, matter of fact, three different legislative sessions, we were successful in getting it to the governor's desk. And each time the governor vetoed us. And as a result, uh, we, we kind of, you know, went back in our corner and tried to collect our thoughts. And it was mutually agreed that perhaps we just need to strengthen our board rules sufficiently from an educational standpoint that they could serve, the board rules could serve as the hurdle, um, requiring a good bit of hours to be able to get a license. And, and that has evolved into what has occurred. Uh, we do not have four-year degree requirement in Georgia. And given the current uh, status of trying to find employees and get people licensed even, that hurdle perhaps is a blessing right now that we don't have that hurdle. I know that other states are really struggling that do have it. Um, but there are just so many hurdles to get people into land surveying and then get them actually on the path to licensure and getting them licensed. Um, one of those hurdles is money, but that's not the biggest and hardest hurdle. And uh, getting motivate, motivated people that love the outdoors and, and want to make a career out of it is also a hurdle. And um, of course, our organization, Samsung, works on that side of it as well. But when it comes to the money side of it, trying to help students financially as they get through college, which is a challenge, we, um, when you would look at what we had, say, 15 years ago, we only had one fund called our scholarship fund. Through the years, we had had two or three generous donors uh, routinely give to this fund, and it had gradually built its way up to around $180,000, maybe, maybe even pushing two hundred. But the bylaws for that particular fund were such that we could only spend our interest on it. They, you could not spend the corpus. So it was only just kicking off very minor amounts of money, no, no rigid set of guidelines. If a kid was in school, they could apply with a form and, and get some a couple hundred bucks a semester or something like that back. And, and we would hand out however many people ask for them generally, as long as we didn't get into the corpus. It was not a very rigid system. And it really was not making a difference for students financially. So um, an effort was mounted across the state to raise money, believe it or not, for something called Surveyor's Stadium. You may know Johnny Gaskins, you may remember him. He and others went on got busy and raised some money trying to name Surveyor Stadium at Southern Poly. And crossing the state, Johnny crossed the state and raised money from several. There were about four or five primary contributors though that signed up for monthly contributions to build this fund. Ended up being built up to about $80,000, $70,000-$80,000 with four, four main contributors and, and GeoSurvey what happened to be one of them. But anyway, unfortunately, you know, Johnny passed away really prematurely in life and uh, left. And that endeavor just kind of fizzled out, didn't ever happen. But that money was left there sitting in an account in Samsung and everybody would look at each other and what do we do with that money? And nobody really knew what to do with that money. And I and a couple others suggested, look, we just we really Samsung really needs a 501c3 where people can make tax deductible contributions to benefit education for surveyors in our state. And, you know, everybody said, yeah, 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 that's a great idea. Well, that's actually, it, it's a great idea, but it's also a lot of work to create a 501c3. Uh, but several of us went down that path and um, 
through many, many meetings with attorneys, crafting bylaws. We, we robbed bylaws from other societies that already have them and cut and pasted and put our name in them and started working on it and ended up developing our bylaws through an attorney and coming up with the name SAMSEF, SAMSOG, SAMSOG Surveying and Education Fund, SAMSEF, and our foundation. So anyway, we got the foundation created. We got uh, the then president to appoint uh, our board. And we, we had, I believe at that time, six members of that board. And um, really didn't even know what we had, but we had done it. And we did it using that $80,000 as our first you know, money into it. So very quickly, we went to Samsung and said, hey, why don't we take this Ben W. Fortson scholarship fund you've got sitting over here, let's move it into the 501c3. That gives us a decent balance. Now we're up at a quarter million. And, and the board of directors then agreed. Yes, let's do that. So we moved it over. But we're still just sitting there with this fund that's bound by these bylaws that only allows us to spend that interest, not kicking off much, and a little bit of money, $80,000 sitting here. And we just couldn't quite figure out what to do. We went on for two or three years trying to raise money with this mindset that we needed to build up a lot of money so that we could have enough interest to really have an impact on kids that were going to start getting surveying education. And, and then the epiphany came through a conversation with our sitting board member, well, then sitting board member, Mark Chastain, uh, he and I were chatting and, and Mark said, Trent, you know, our foundation up here, our, we have an education foundation in our county here. And they basically just serve as a flow through organization. People make the contributions. The money basically flows through except for a little bit of expense to just run it. And they have abandoned their goal of trying to build a big, massive amount of money in that organization. And light bulbs just started flicking on. Well, you know, we could do the very same thing. We don't have to build a big corpus. We can use this foundation as the flow through organization for donations. We can market to donors that your money you donate goes straight into a student's hands. And, and then that really gets the interest of donors. When donors think they're gonna give it to you and only 5% is going to go out to a student, the rest goes to build the corpus, there's not a lot of incentive there unless they're giving you a million bucks or they're giving you a big amount of money. And so using that idea, we then began to think, all right, well, if we were going to do this, how would we structure it? And, and so the idea came forth, well, let's do this. So what we did is we, we looked at our state and we cut it up into quadrants, actually into fifths. Northwest, Northeast, Central, Southwest, Southeast. And we created a scholarship in each region. We call them regional scholarships. Then we went and tried to find three companies or individuals willing to give $1,000 each in their area to create a $3,000 annual scholarship to be given to a student endeavoring to get a degree in land surveying. And we almost had to hide behind the door. People were jumping on board left and right. And the very, very first uh, technical seminar where we marketed this, we sold every single scholarship. So we immediately went from handing out 
just hundreds of dollars to handing out $18,000 in one year. So we now, uh, this past year, we funded uh, six $3,000 scholarships. And then we, using this formula, and, and we have, I mean, the donors are coming back now. And then we have donors that are ready to start up additional scholarships because they are seeing this money flow directly into the hands of the students. And I'm not saying that we'll always give up on raising or, or building a corpus that can sustain itself. Perhaps we do get back into that um, and do a 75-25, where 75 goes to the student and 25 goes to build the corpus. But for right now, we're getting uh, the people in our state in a philanthropic state of mind to give money using this. And, and for the foreseeable future, we're going to continue to do it in this way. And, uh, you know, it's very, very inexpensive for us to run this foundation. Our executive director for SoundSog also serves as executive director for SoundSef. So that makes that fairly easy. The rest of it's volunteer. And so we raise other money aside from these flow-through scholarships. We raise money with a raffle where we have sustaining members donate a piece of equipment and then we raffle that piece of equipment. And we've done this now for uh, six or seven years. It was our primary fundraiser, primary to doing these scholar regional scholarships. So uh, we take this free piece of equipment that the donor donates and, and we've not had any trouble getting our sustaining members to give us a significant piece of equipment. Usually it's on the order of a $15,000 to $20,000 something piece of equipment. And we sell the tickets for $50 a piece and we only print uh, 200 tickets. So the most we could raise is $10,000, right? So this, we've always raised in the realm of six to $7,000 with this method. And that money, we use that money to fund our, what we call our technical scholarships, which are scholarships we give to students that are per pursuing their surveyor's certificate, not necessarily a degree. They're crew leaders or other employees that are going at night and they're trying to get their necessary coursework to take the test. So we hand out uh, those, we hand out uh, four of those per semester at 500 each. And we fund those, it might be three, let me look here. Uh, it's actually three per semester. That's right, three per semester. Um, and those are funded through the raffle. And so we usually have enough money there to also from that money to run the foundation is very inexpensive like i said to run it so that's not an issue um interesting really good story uh that came out of this year's summer conference we typically give have our drawing at our technical conference in january however this year due to covid we extended it into the summer conference down at jekyll this year so we had a SAMSEF board of directors meeting um, uh, Friday of this seminar, uh, of this meeting. And in this meeting, uh, our chair, Byron Freeman, commented, because we all went around the table, 
and everybody committed to buy 10 tickets each, all the trustees. I'm going to buy 10 tickets each. We all bought 10 tickets each. So right there, we raised just a good little bit of money right there. And, and we're down to really almost running out of tickets. We've sold them all over the state. But anyway, Byron commented, you know what? If I win, I'm going to walk up there to that podium, and I'm going to hand it back to y'all, and you can auction it off. Byron won the drawing and did that very thing. So um, we, I'm emceeing this, so we in turn started an auction, started it at $5,000 and ended up getting $9,500 on top of our $7,000 we had raised, seven or $8,000 we had raised. So we ended up raising, uh, pushing $20,000 at the end of the day on that rifle. So when you add that in with our eighteen to twenty thousand we're getting on our scholarships, we had a very, very, very good year, even in, even during COVID. And and the the secret sauce is to be able to tell people, look, make your donations; they're going to flow straight through to a student, and you'll see an immediate effect. So some of the things we do to entice donors to donate. Um, Obviously, they can't be a part of the selection process. So we get applicants. We have developed applications on our website. We receive these applications. We process them. And the trustees, using a scoring matrix that we developed, make their selections from all of the applicants. So the donors have no input into who it gets awarded. Uh, that, that would obviously be in violation of the 501c3 standards. So, but we also, and this will be our first year we're going to do it, or we're going to have a scholarship luncheon. And it's going to be in January at our technical seminar uh, on, I believe, Thursday's lunch, where we're inviting all of our scholarship donors to come to our scholarship lunch. And we're even inviting them to come to the entire seminar. But then scholarship lunch, and we're going to, um, you know, honor each one of these recipients. And then following that, we're going to have a, a dessert reception afterwards where the scholarship donors get to mix and mingle with each of the recipients. And uh, that generates a lot of interest when you can describe that scenario to these donors. So you, that's kind of the story in a nutshell there for you. Well, that's a great, great explanation. I appreciate you going through that because uh, it gives people an idea of how this, this thing can work. And uh, taking away that one element that seems to be a stumbling block, I'm assuming yeah. it's probably doable pretty much anywhere. Uh, I, I would think so. And, and so I can see that because people always want to see direct results from something that they're participating in. Yes. Uh, so this, I was going to say sharing this model with people is a great idea. And you've just done that. So I'm, yeah. I'm not yeah. going to put you on the road now. I can just put you on the radio and, That's great. and share that. Well, you know, in one side of it, it's a little bit disappointing because you're kind of abandoning the mission of building a sustainable foundation that can continue to fund in perpetuity. And so as it sits right now, we're only as good as next year's donors. All right. And, you know, when you do have a 501c3 by government, you by law, you're required to hand out 5% of your corpus each year towards your mission. If you don't raise money, 
you got to cut it out of the corpus and hand it out. So eventually you'll die if you don't raise money. And, and, but we're, we're graciously meeting that now very easily. And, and uh, it's not a worry anymore for a while there, you know, we were barely making it uh, and raising it when we, when we didn't have what we do now. So I, I would encourage anyone to consider uh, as a fledgling foundation, as a beginning foundation, you need to get donors in the mood in the mode of donating and seeing results. And then ultimately, you know, there are a lot of surveyor millionaires out there joking. Hopefully though, that will put you in the will and put that foundation in the will. And you never know when that million dollar windfall is coming along, hopefully, that creates that, you know, sustainability you're looking for for a foundation. Or because of this, or maybe as a circumstance, one of the circumstances that may cause this to happen, but are you seeing a lot of those students staying home, so to speak? Well, uh, believe it or not, this year we struggled to get applicants. Um, we, we finally were able to get enough applicants to hand out all of our scholarships. Um, and I've asked the teachers at the universities, What's, what is that because? And he said it's because they're not on campus. Uh -huh. They're they're studying remotely. They're at home, and we're trying to you know communicate that these things these scholarships are there. Please apply, but they blamed it directly on that that we don't have face to face with them, and and that's about to be corrected. Hopefully, they're they're re reconvening school at least here in Georgia, um, very soon. Yeah, I think so. We have to get it reinvigorated. I think we saw a little bit of that even in our program this year. A uh, downturn a little bit in in applicants and, and really hadn't focused on the fact that they just aren't in school in a lot of cases. So that definitely yeah. has an, an impact. That's for sure. Yes. Um, yeah. And you'd like to think that those recipients would share the, the love, so to speak with their coworkers and get more people interested in participating in this. And uh, I can't think of anybody doing any kind of schoolwork who doesn't need money. That's right. That's right. You know, there, there are so many different uh, students have opportunities to get money in a lot of different ways these days. So, uh, and a lot of it's loans, actually. And, you know, that to sit down and do a 30 or 40 minute application with an essay, we require an essay. We believe it, it's actually a hurdle. Forcing them to go through that and do that and write it and compose a decent essay is actually a hurdle to, to get them to sit down and do that. But we need an essay. I think the essay is very important. I want to see how well they compose and what they compose and and uh, the content of their story. It's just very important. Uh, last year, we had, um, I believe we had 18 applicants for six scholarships. So it, it was tougher. I mean, we, we had to develop a scoring matrix. We scored them and a very dutifully uh, without names. So you didn't know who you were scoring. And then those that actually knew who it was, they bowed out and didn't vote. Some of the trustees perhaps knew some of the applicants. You mentioned Jekyll a while ago. There's a whole lot of places you could go that would be worse than going to Jekyll. Well, that is true. <laughs> it, it was it was a lot of fun. We had a great time at a good meeting. I think it, sure did. I think it was Two years ago, maybe I was there, Jekyll, with you guys. That that might have been the last time you were there if you didn't go. I out. think it probably was. Yes, that's right. Well, that's a really cool place. You, you mentioned earlier uh, the non-graduate licensees. 
Are you seeing that pipeline still working too? Yes. Yes, we do. We sure do. Um, I'm not in tune with the numbers about, you know, percentage passing degree, non-degree. I don't know those numbers. I'd love to know, but we certainly have a pipeline coming from both ways. And uh, they're getting snapped up left and right. Everybody's competing. Um, it, it's really just ridiculous, the competition for employees right now in surveying around here. Yeah, and, and, and in a way, I want to say that's good for the, for the profession from the perspective that more people seem to want to be, want to be doing it. You know, we get, we get uh, inquiries here at NSPS from time to time from people who are doing something else. And they want to know about how's this surveying thing work. And of course, yeah. most of the time, their perspective about what it is is not exactly on on target. But mm-hmm. but it's still great to have that experience. And if you can have that conversation with them, um, particularly from people that that have great experiences and you know, like you you have built companies and gotten to be part of that overall fabric as growing in a profession to share. And it's not just show up to work every day. It's something else as well. Right. All right. Well, uh, believe it or not, we've been on here for a while already. <laughs> wow. We've already done it. Yeah. It's gone. It's gone really well. I, I appreciate you being with me today. Um, it's just my pleasure great to hear and to be able to share with other people what you guys have been doing, because as you know, the, the difficulties that you in, encounter are the same everywhere. And people are always looking for different ideas about how can we do this. And I think the model that you guys have is a good one to get more people involved, uh, albeit one where you're sort of walking a tightrope and, and right. not this recurring thing that you, but at the same time, I think it maybe builds a little bit more uh, engagement or urgency in people's minds that we really need to participate to make sure that our profession keeps going. And so from that yeah. perspective, I think it's probably a good, a good idea for anybody. Yeah. And, and I, I, you know, I, I hope to see the future where we can begin to turn the throttle, uh, the valve back a little bit and start funneling money into the corpus of the foundation, as well as benefiting these students both. Uh, but for right now, we got that valve turned straight towards those students and, and just trying to get them the culture built of giving and, and helping. And it's working. We are we really do have a lot of great donors in this state that are on board with this. And as time goes on, we'll begin to try to move that valve a little bit and try to funnel money back into the foundation as well. Yeah, we probably mentioned this before, but it's worth mentioning again. I think that kind of opportunity uh, gives incentive to people to participate in it because they can start right. right away. That's exactly right. Yep. Well, I appreciate you being with me. I know you're just hanging around doing nothing these days. and uh, Pretty much. I just turned around and became an employee now, so I have to do a timesheet. Oh, it's yeah. a big struggle. <laughs> we all have to go through that repetitive cycle, don't we? We end up. That's right. <laughs> well, well thank- I enjoyed it, Kurt. I really appreciate you being with me today. It's been great, and I'm sure our, our audience is going to enjoy it. And hopefully you'll get some feedback and people interested in what you're doing right. and learn from you. I'll be happy to help. Thank you so much. Thanks a bunch. All right.
You've been listening to the Surveyor Says Podcast, brought to you by the National Society of Professional Surveyors. If you have any questions about today's episode or any other topic, please email us at info at nsps.us.com, and we are here to help. Visit our website, nsps.us.com, to learn more about our association, the programs we administer and support, our sustaining members, and information about future episodes of Surveyor Says. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Spotify, as well as our podcast host, Podbean. And remember, it's a great day to be a surveyor.